That hymn is a hymn of rejoicing. And we have reason to rejoice. And this is a time for rejoicing as God's people, especially here. Dear friends in Christ, I want to share with you the words that are from the prophet Nehemiah that talks about a celebration, a time of rejoicing. In that, some verses here from chapter 12. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they had lived and brought to Jerusalem, and they were to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals and harps and lyres. The musicians, they were also brought together from the region around Jerusalem. And when the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. Nehemiah says, I had the leaders of Judah go up on the top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the dung gate. Hoshia and half the leaders of Judah followed him. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up to the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the side of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction, and I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people. And at the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. And so did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests. And the choir sang under the direction of Jezrehiah. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children, they also rejoiced. And the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. What do you do when you have someone in your family that has a birthday? Or when there's someone who is having an anniversary? You have a party. You celebrate. Are there even times in the church when we should celebrate? Are there times when we should have a party? Yes, there are, of course. And we should spend all of our time in celebration, but we should celebrate things. What kind of things should we celebrate? Well, as we're here in this season, we look forward to Christmas. Obviously, we want to celebrate the Lord's birth and that Jesus did that. And he came to this place to be one of us because he had a purpose. And that is that we can celebrate our salvation in Christ. And of course, we should celebrate the resurrection but is there anything else we should celebrate? Let's first take a look at Nehemiah chapter 12. The Israelites were celebrating a great accomplishment. They had returned from their exile in Babylonia, and they had rebuilt the wall in Jerusalem. That was a wall that was destroyed by their enemies. And the wall was two and a half miles around. And it was up to eight to nine feet thick in parts. There were walls, there were gates and towers in it, and they rebuilt that wall, that two-and-a-half-mile wall, in 52 days. What an accomplishment. And with all that momentum, they decided that there should be people that should live inside the city and those that would stay outside. They had a plan to rebuild everything. And they had a huge accomplishment in the past as they had built that wall, and they were also preparing for the future. What an exciting time to be in Jerusalem. 
The enemies were quiet now. God's word was being preached. And the Israelites were relieved. And they were revived. And they were excited all at the same time. Everything was going great. What a time to celebrate. And so they did. And then this portion of Nehemiah 12, there are four components of celebration. And the first one is its beginning. Let's look back at verse 30. It says, When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates and the wall. The first component of godly celebration is its beginning. Now, this wasn't something that just happened. This celebration wasn't a spontaneous event. Like everything that happened with the wall, this celebration took some planning. And so Nehemiah's people sent the word out, and they invited the surrounding territory. They gathered up all the Levites and the singers, and they told them to bring their musical instruments. They also sent word out to all the priests. They obviously had organized and planned and promoted this event. But was that the beginning? No, it wasn't. Because the real beginning of the celebration came after all the people gathered together. The celebration didn't begin with the planning. It didn't begin with the outreach or the publicity and invitations. The celebration really began with the purification purification? That doesn't sound much like a celebration, does it? But it is. Of course, the purification of the priests and the Levites in our passage was a ceremonial purification. So in that ceremony, they would purify themselves, as Nehemiah says, the people, the gates, and the wall. Now, the text doesn't tell us in detail what had taken place, what was all involved with that. It was obviously according to the Old Testament law. The point is that they had to enter into that time of celebration with a pure heart. Their motives had to be pure. The work of what they accomplished with their hands had to be pure. Their joy had to be pure. And their relationship with each other had to be pure. So many times we can put on a celebration just because we want to have a good time. Or we do that because we want to show people that we can have fun too. Or invite them to have fun with us. We can also use celebration as a means to an end. But is that the right beginning? The right beginning is to enter into the celebration with a pure heart, pure motives. The first component of a godly celebration is its beginning. And then we can move on to the second component as we see in verses 31 and 38. Nehemiah says, I had the leaders of Judah go up on the top of the wall. And I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the dung gate. And the second, verse 38, that choir proceeded in the opposite direction. And I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people. The second component of godly celebration is boldness. Now this is where your imagination comes into play. I want you to picture what they did here. For remember that the wall, it was up to eight to nine feet thick. And that means you could have four people shoulder to shoulder walking along that wall at the same time. So here's what they did. 
Nehemiah gathered all the people together at the valley gate, which was on the west side of the wall. And when they were all gathered there, he split them up into two groups. And Ezra takes one group south, and they walk counterclockwise. They go south to the dung gate, as it was called. And then after that whole group was on their way, the other group started going north. And when the last man in the group was on the wall, Nehemiah says that he brought up the rear. He was the one who followed. Now picture this for a second. The whole group of people are assembled on the wall. And notice what verse 31 calls them. Two large choirs to give thanks. If you look at the King James Version, for those who love that, it says the two great companies of them that gave thanks. Well, the original Hebrew word literally means thanksgivings. Two great thanksgivings. What a way for God's people to be known as. And when God's people celebrate, well, we know that's how we should be seen. We should be seen as one big thanksgiving. Now, notice that I said we should be seen. That's because that's exactly what happened here. Why do you think they went through all the trouble of going up the wall? Why do you think they did that? Who was on the other side of the wall? Well, it could have been some people like Tobiah and Sanblat. They were two men who definitely didn't want the wall to be rebuilt. They kept trying to hinder that. They're also enemies of God's people who were outside of that wall. How bold was that for God's people to get up there? And it was there that they chose to celebrate the accomplishment. And there they stood and they praised God at the top of their lungs. There were two great, loud thanksgivings. There were two great thanksgivings and everybody could see them. But they didn't just stay in the same place there on the wall at the valley gate. No, they walked all around the place, the whole wall. And as they did that, they really brought attention to two things that were going on. First, they were calling attention to themselves as far as how small they were in comparison to the hugeness of the wall. But not only that, they were calling attention to how big their God is. Because the only way for them to be able to accomplish that huge task of that rebuilding, it was God who did it through them. And as they marched around that wall, they boldly proclaimed that fact to the world that was watching around them. Everyone could see them in their praise. And everybody all around Jerusalem, they knew that God is great. Their celebration was bold. So that second component, it's boldness. The third component of celebration is bragging. Did I say bragging? Yes. The third component is bragging. Now, don't get me wrong. If bragging is prideful, it's wrong. If it's bragging and telling people, hey, look what I've done, what you can't do, that's wrong. But it's not wrong to talk about good things that God has accomplished through us. Now, you've got to use your imagination here again. Try picturing these people who are singing and praising God along the top of the wall. And each one had walked half the distance of that wall, so it's about a mile and a quarter. What do you think they were doing when they were walking across what that mile and quarter encompassed? Each of them was probably walking past 
perhaps parts of the wall that they had built. So how do you think they reacted when they got past their part? When the sons of Hasana would walk past the fish gate, do you think they might have said, hey, this is the part that we did? When the people around a man named Zadok walked on the wall in front of his house, do you think that maybe he had pointed it out too? And can't you just imagine the people's response around him say, man, Zadok, you did a great job. That's probably the strongest part of the wall here. Can't you just feel the joy and fellowship that was going on there? The important part of that is that each person had a part in that wall. It wasn't just a few people who built it. All of God's people there were able to work and to make that happen. It wasn't a boastful, prideful type of bragging. It was the joyful feeling of accomplishment. And that's the same kind of feeling that we have when we are able to say what we accomplished through fast forward. Is that boastful? I don't think so. But it is cause for celebration. We should joyfully celebrate the things that the Lord accomplishes through us. But even that part of the celebration isn't the best part. No, the fourth component, that's the best part. Look at these verses here, beginning at verse 40. The two choirs that gave thanks, they then took their places in the house of God. And Nehemiah says, so did I, together with half the officials as well as the priests. And the choir sang under the direction of Jezrehiah, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem, it could be heard far away. That part's the best part. Because look at what happened. Nehemiah's Thanksgiving group, they were the ones who headed northward, clockwise, and then there was Ezra's group that headed southward, counterclockwise. Each group traveled around their parts of the wall until they met at the other side. And where did they meet? They met in the house of God. And notice that it wasn't like the end of their celebration. They had celebrated all along as they were praising God on that walk. But then they really kicked it up a notch. What does verse 42 say? What well, says the choir sang? And I'm pretty sure they sang pretty loud. In verse 43, what kind of sacrifices did they offer? They offered great sacrifices. How were they rejoicing? It was with God-given great joy. As a matter of fact, if they had neighbors, the neighbors probably would have had to call the cops because they were making such a racket, a joyful racket. That's how loud they were celebrating. It was a God-given, spirit-filled party to do. I'd say that the greatness of their celebration was only matched by the greatness of the work that God had accomplished through them. So how are we going to celebrate today? I'm not talking about having a breakfast or dinner event. As much as I love food and fellowship, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real, unscripted, joyous celebration. The kind of celebration that begins with that pure heart and pure motives. A pure house. The kind that's bold in the face of a lost and dying world around us. 
the kind that is joyfully bragging about what the Lord is doing in and through each of us. The kind of celebration that blows the roof off. Well, we don't want the roof blown off here. We just fixed it. But it would blow the roof off of God's house here at Trinity. Are we going to celebrate like that? We will again. We just have to understand some things first. When we will really understand the depths of our being lost and condemned and Jesus saving us from them, and also the boldness of the righteousness that he's clothed us with, we can celebrate. We will when we really understand the good news that he wants us to boldly proclaim to the world and the greatness of the work that he accomplishes through us. And we will when we bring all of that understanding back to God's house, even as we are here now. As we celebrate this time for rejoicing, let's start like the Israelites of Nehemiah's day started. Let's accept the mission that God has given us here in this place. That mission is the Great Commission. And as we are going, make disciples. And as we make disciples... We baptize and we teach them. That's our mission. Just as building a wall was a mission for God's people in Nehemiah's time. Let's accept our mission and let's be faithful to that mission. Your pastor is here. We study, we preach, we live the word like Ezra did. And each of us here, we all do our part just like the Israelites did. And let's watch what great future things will happen. How the Lord will do that here at Trinity Lutheran Church, in our school, and even beyond. And as he does, we're going to see that kind of celebration. And as we see that happen, God will make us rejoice. He'll make us rejoice with great joy. There's going to be men and women and children who will rejoice. And the joy of Trinity, it will be heard far away. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.